may be seated. Thank you, Lord. I'll put this one up here for later. There we go. Thank you, Lord. It's so good to see you here this morning. God is so good, and uh, I hope you've had a good week. Um, we all have different weeks. We all have different things going on, and uh, just just aware this morning as I put up that slide up there that says good morning. I put that up pretty much every week because I think, well, that's a good way to start, isn't it? Good morning. It's like, if I've never met you before, I'm Andrew. Good morning. It's good to see you. I uh, hope you're having a great week. But I'm just aware that sometimes we're not having a great week, are we? And I wonder this morning maybe that even if this morning you might be thinking, well, is it a good morning? Have you ever had one of those days when you, you get out of bed in the morning and people say, g'day, how you going? And you go, yeah, good. How you going? Yeah, good. You keep going. And you're going, I ain't really doing good. <laughs> well, praise God, because I'm a pastor, I don't have days like that. I, I just, every day is wonderful. Um, in case you weren't sure, that was a joke. You may now laugh. Um, um, to be honest, I, uh, last Sunday, I was... I was so blessed, as David and Josh shared last week. It was fantastic. Um, if you missed last Sunday and you haven't listened to the podcast already, I encourage you to jump on and listen to the podcast. It was such an encouraging word from David and Josh last week. Um, www.soundcloud.com slash CFC. And what's that line called? It's not the lower one. It's the apostrophe. No, no, no it's apostrophe. Hyphen, hyphen, CFC. Now I'm confused myself hyphen, no, anyway, look it up, um, listen to the podcast, that'll be good, <laughs> last Sunday I was so glad to have them sharing, and uh, because to be honest, my, my throat last week was like knives stabbing every time I tried to speak, I don't know if you could tell when I was speaking, but um, I had a very sore throat, and by Sunday night last week, I was just a wreck, I was crashing out big time, and then by Monday morning, I was, I was sick. I, was, I basically slept the whole day. And uh, Tuesday, I wasn't much better. I was meant to go to Melbourne. I had, some, had all sorts of things I had lined up for Monday and Tuesday to do. I had a, a large-ish to-do list, and I'm still trying to catch up with some of you that I missed on the Monday and Tuesday, and then things happened through the rest of the week. That, um, and I guess, to be honest, by Wednesday, I was feeling a little frustrated and a little uh, flat, you might say. I think we all have those days when we wake up and we're just a little, little unsure about whether it is a good morning. And we have these thoughts begin to come to us. We begin to think, God, why is this happening? We can start to think, how can I do this, God? I can't do that. I'm not good enough to do that, God. God, this is all too hard. What's the point? We have, start to have all these thoughts and they're not real constructive thoughts, are they? Not at all. And uh, so that was how I was going. And uh, to be honest, by Friday, I, I still was waking up thinking, I don't know how good this morning is. Um, I was still a little flat. And, uh, but I'd, I told Caleb that I'd take him to kinder. So I, he's got his first new year of kinder, and I got to take him to kinder, and that was great. And I got in the car, still feeling a little flat. I was praising God that he wasn't in tears and crying, and he was happy. But uh, I got in the car, and I just felt prompted to, to, to turn on the Christian radio station here in Colac, 87.6 FM, Vision Radio, tune it in if you haven't already. I just felt prompted to turn it on. As I turned it on, the guy was speaking about Isaiah. And as soon as he began speaking, it was like God was just illuminating it to my heart. And I only had about two minutes to listen to it in the car. And it 
didn't bring tears to my eyes. It, brought, it began to stir me. It, began to, it just began to do something within me as I listened. And I only had a couple of minutes to listen, but then I, I got out of the car, and to be honest, I, I found that passage a little bit later, and I began to look at it, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and the first five chapters, and Isaiah's sharing the visions that God's given him, he's sharing the prophetic words and the, the, the words that God's given him to speak to people. But then it comes to chapter 6, and it says, in the year of this and this and this, and this guy was king, and this guy died and all that, I saw the Lord. And he talks about these angels with these mighty wings and how they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he said, the next sentence is, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. Other translation says, woe is me. He sees the Lord and he falls down on the ground. He's going, God, I am sinful. I am doomed. I am unworthy. I am of unclean lips. And then it says an angel comes down and, and touches his lips. It's interesting, he talks about how he's a man of unclean lips and straight away the angel comes and, and brings a hot coal and touches his lips. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. And it doesn't sort of say how Isaiah responds, it doesn't talk about what happens next, the next sentence, the next verse goes on and it's, it's God speaking. He says, who will go to these people? Who will be my messenger to these people? And I, Isaiah straight away speaks up and says, here I am, send me. Now, it just might be my brain, but I, I see Isaiah suddenly, it's like he's on the ground saying, woe is me, I am a doomed and miserable man, I am sinful, woe is me. And then the angel touches his lips and says, your sins are forgiven. And then suddenly God speaks and says, who will go? And I see Isaiah be like, oh, oh, pick me, pick me, here I am, send me. You know, like that really excited kid that's really short that still wants to play basketball. He's like, oh, pick me, pick me. And he's jumping around saying, God, oh, 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 send me, send me. I think what a transformation. Just in a couple of verses, we see Isaiah who's been out doing great things and, and, and speaking for God, but then he, he meets with God. He sees God for his holiness. He sees God for his purity and who he really is, his glory. And he falls down on the ground saying, I am doomed, I am sinful, it is over, woe is me. To then he's, to, to being told his sins are forgiven. And then two seconds later, he's jumping around saying, God, pick me, I'll go, I'll go. It'll be a joy, God, please pick me, send me. And something in my heart as I, as I listened to these words about Isaiah, as I looked up the passage and began to read it, began to challenge my heart on Friday morning. I want to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But as I was thinking about Isaiah and, and thinking about the way he met with God and it totally changed his perspective, I began to be aware of how I needed to just come to God about, and look to Him, about seeing Him and for His holiness, to see what He has done, that He has forgiven my sin. And it begins to change, it began to change my perspective. And as I was thinking about it, I began to think about uh, this guy by the name of Paul that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. Paul, one of the most influential men of his time and possibly one of the most influential men in the world, in history, this guy that wrote the majority of the New Testament, he wrote these letters to so many different people and 
forms the majority of the New Testament we read today. And, and this book has changed the world. The Bible has changed the world. Paul's letters have changed the world in an amazing way. And I began to think about him and what I wanted to share this morning as I was thinking about Isaiah. You know, Paul, or also known as Saul, was a man of conviction. He was a passionate man. He was a Jewish Pharisee. He was one of the strictest of Jews. He held to the law. He taught the law. He knew the law. He lived by the law. He was also a Roman citizen, and he was born in Tarsus in the southern part of modern Turkey. If you happen to have been there, I'd love to one day. I haven't yet. But he was a man of conviction. He was a passionate Jew. He loved God, and he hated these Jesus followers. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed he was a fake, he was a fraud. And he was passionately going around arresting and killing Christians. He hated them with a passion. He went everywhere to try and arrest them and, and have them locked up. In Acts 7, it talks about the execution of Stephen and how Saul was one of the witnesses there. He was a passionate man who hated Christians. But then something happened in his life. He saw the Lord. He met God and it changed his life. It changed his world and it's changed the world through Paul's life, through the change that happened as he met God. It has changed the world as we know it. And I want to have a look at the passage in Acts chapter 9 of where Paul meets God on the road to Damascus. And if you've got your Bible there, I encourage you to open it up. Uh, maybe you want to circle some things as we go. Well, you might want to draw some pictures in the margin like I do so I can find things when I'm looking for them. I'm going to read Acts chapter 9. Not all of it, but some of it. Starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. There's a bit of passion, there's a bit of fire, there's a bit of rage coming out of Paul, Saul right now. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. He wants to make an example of these Jesus followers. He wants to show that these Jesus followers should be thrown in prison and arrested, even put to death. Verse 3, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground. And heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Saul had a pretty amazing encounter with God on that road to Damascus. He was a man of conviction. He hated these Christians. He was happy to put them to death or arrest them, to lock them up any way he could. Until that day on the road to Damascus, he meets God and it changes his life. It says he goes into Damascus and he meets with Ananias. 
And now Ananias has taken, it's been a bit of convincing by God for Ananias to go because Ananias knows Saul's reputation. He knows that Saul's this one that's been arresting and locking up Christians and God tells Ananias to go and meet with him and he's like, no way, man. You can sign someone else up for that job. I ain't going. Finally, he convinces him and Ananias goes and he prays for Paul and Paul's sight is restored and... I can just imagine Ananias and Paul beginning to share and, and talk with one another and Paul sharing what happens on the road and Ananias saying, well, you know, Saul, like, Jesus is the Messiah. You've got to see it. You know the Old Testament. You know where it says the Messiah would come and the things that said about him and he's pointing out, I imagine him pointing out the Scriptures and saying, Paul, he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. He says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. And I think Paul's just going to be... Sorry, I keep interchanging Paul, Saul. I hope that's not confusing. I just imagine Paul saying, you know what? I believe. Oh, there's, there's, there's no going back from this experience I've had. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe. I, I understand now. God, I'm so sorry. And I just, see, I just imagine Paul saying to Ananias, you know what? He said to get baptized. Let's go find some water. I'm doing it. I'm leaving the old way behind. I'm following Jesus. And they go out and he gets baptized and almost immediately Paul begins to preach about this Jesus. And it says the crowds are amazed. They're saying, isn't this the man who, who persecuted, even put Christians to death? And now he's preaching about the very Jesus he was persecuting. And his life is transformed. He remained a pretty passionate man though. <laughs> he was a man of conviction and he remained a very, very passionate man. But I want to suggest to you this morning, I want to say something to you this morning that I, I feel we need to understand. I believe we live in a world that idolizes passion. I believe we live in a world that idolizes passion. We make heroes out of sports people, out of celebrities, out of movie stars, out of singers, out of, out of people of great passion. And we idolize these people for their passion even though their relationships, their family, their, their life behind the scenes might be falling apart. We live in a world that idolizes passion. We, we, we lift people up because they're passionate. They, they may be gifted in some area and they, they do really well in some area and we, we so easily idolize people's passion. And we can think, wow, I'm struggling to get out of bed in the morning. They're so passionate, they're so, they're so full of zeal, they're they just so, so full of life. I just need to be a little bit more passionate, I need to be a little bit more like that person, I need to find my passion. And I just wonder if maybe the reason we, ha we see people move jobs so many times, why we see so many people leave relationships, is because people are trying to find that thing that they're passionate about. We might lose a bit of passion and we think, oh, maybe I, I need to find my new passion. I need to find what I'm really passionate about because we tend to idolize passion. If we don't have passion, we need to go and find something we're passionate about. I've got to, I've got to find my passion. But I don't believe that's what God desires for us. He doesn't want us to just to go and try and work up a bit of passion for something. He doesn't want us just to try and make up some passion for our life and just to sort of stir it up in ourselves to become more passionate. At the same time, we see people that 
just live great, faithful lives, just doing what God's called them to do day by day, living quietly, doing the thing God's called them to do, and they go unnoticed and unrecognized. We idolize passion so quickly. And I want to encourage you not to chase after just pursuing something for a passion's sake. Passion can be a great thing. Passion's a wonderful thing. God has a passion for us. Passion is great. It's great to be passionate, but don't live your life trying to find something to be passionate about. Paul was a man of conviction, but he realized, he understood, he began to realize that our zeal can be in vain, our passion can be in vain. Listen to what he says in Romans 10, verse 1 to 3. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Now that's his brothers and sisters, his, his, his nation. He, he wants the people of his nation to be saved, God's people to be saved. He wants them to know that Jesus is the Messiah as he's discovered. He says in verse 2, I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. They were passionate. They were passionate observers of the law. They were Pharisees and, and strict Jews like he was. But he says in verse 3, For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Jesus came as the Messiah. The Jews had been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds of years. But then Jesus came as the Messiah and they refused to accept him as the Saviour. And sadly today, many Jews are still waiting for the Messiah, the Saviour, to come. They cling on to their own way, still waiting for the Messiah instead of accepting God's way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Saul was passionate, but passion won't fix things. Just trying to stir up a little bit more passion in your life won't make things better. As you wake up in the morning, don't just think, oh, I've just got to find my passion. I've just got to work up a bit of enthusiasm for the day. It won't fix things. What we need is a revelation of God's passionate love for us. We don't need to look at ourselves and try and work up a passion. We need to look to God and see His passion for us, His passionate love for you, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that we don't have to perish, that we don't have to be separated from Him, but we can have eternal life. As I wake up in the morning, and I, if, I, if I try and try and stir myself up and think, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Oh, it's hard. But if I wake up in the morning and I begin to look to God, if I think about His love for me, if I begin to think about what Jesus has done for me, that God has forgiven my sin, that I am set free by the blood of Jesus, it begins to stir my heart with a gratefulness and a joy and a peace and a passion. Not because I begin to stir it up, but because I'm looking to the God who passionately loves me, who passionately loves you. I want to ask you, where in your week, where in your life do you have times when you have set times aside to be reminded of God's passionate love for you? 
I just love what Josh said last week about how he began to open God's Word. He began to read the Bible, not because he specially enjoyed it, but because he wanted to just do it as an act of worship. And as he did it, that God stirred a joy. God gave him a joy as he opened God's Word. And I want to encourage you to open God's Word this week and read it. Believe that God will stir you with the, 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 the stories of His forgiveness and His grace through the Old and New Testaments, that you will see who God is and His passionate love for us. If you're not sure where to start, I encourage you to grab a copy of the CFC Bible reading plan up the back there, just to prompt you to see where to read and to open the Bible and to begin to hear from God, to pray. Put on Vision Radio. Be encouraged, be stirred, put on some Christian music that reminds you of God's love, what He's done for you. Maybe join a life group, as David encouraged us last week, that you can be stirred and reminded of God's passionate love for us. We don't need to stir up a passion, we just need to look to His passion for the world, for the lost, for those He loves, for all creation that He's created. Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 to 14. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. Find your joy in Him. Look to Him. Look to His love for you. Discover your joy in Him. Re rejoice in Him. If we do that, we, we will safeguard our faith. Our faith, if we look to ourselves, it will crumble and perish. But if we look to Him, if we look at His love for us, if we rejoice in the Lord, it will safeguard our faith. We don't need to stir up a passion. We just need to look to His passion for us, His love for us. And we will be filled with joy. We'll be filled with the, 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 the fruit of His Spirit in us. It says in verse 2, watch out for those dogs. That's pretty harsh. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. And some of you are like, hang on, what on earth has circumcision got to do with this? Well, keep coming because we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks' time. Verse 3, it says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We don't rely on what we've done. We don't rely on what we can do. It's what Christ has done for us. It's His passionate love for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, says Paul. He's like, I don't, but I could. If anyone could, I would, but I don't. I love his confusing language. Anyway, and he continues, Indeed, if others had reason for confidence in their own efforts... I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous. I was so passionate that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He says, you know what? I was so passionate. I did everything as the law commanded. I was the most zealous of Jews. I did this. I did that. I, I did it all how I was supposed to do. I was so passionate. 
But now I see that none of that made me righteous in God's sight. Now I see that none of that saved my soul. Now I see that teaching others to do all these things could never please God. I see now that, my, that it's faith in Jesus alone, it's His righteousness and not my own that sets us free. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I want to encourage you today that whether you woke up this morning with great passion in your life or whether you woke up this morning feeling like, I don't know if this is a very good morning, that we don't need to stir up any passion. We don't need to find our passion. We simply need to understand that God loves you. God created you. He loves you. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. He willingly gave his life on a cross. His blood was poured out. His body was broken. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was beaten. He endured it all because he loves you. He came and took the punishment for sin that we could never pay. He loves you so much. He didn't do it begrudgingly. He didn't do it and then point at you and say, so you better love me. He said, I did it for you because I love you. Now please, would you come? Would you trust in me? Would you understand my love for you? Will you surrender to God? Will you listen to God's way for you? Because I love you. My grace is for you. I, would, I, I desire to, to, for you to walk with me, to have relationship with me. Everything else is worthless compared with the in, infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He goes on, he says, For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. It's not about what we can do. It's about what Christ has done. We don't have to work up some great life for God. God simply wants us to come to Him and see what Christ has done for us. And He goes on. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. What a statement. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. We've got Saul who, who persecuted Christians, who hated these Jesus followers, who suddenly is now wanting to live his life and even suffer and die for the sake of the gospel. Now, to be honest, I don't know if he truly, really wanted to suffer. Does anyone really, truly ever want to suffer? I don't think so. But he's saying, I would gladly give up anything in my life to be able to continue to walk in fellowship with God, to understand and to know Jesus' love for me, to know His grace and His mercy and forgiveness. I would gladly give up anything in my life so that I could continue on this journey of knowing God and knowing His grace more and more. He says, nothing is worth me being separated from that. Nothing is worth not giving up. I surrender it all. I count it as garbage so that I could know Christ. I want to be with Him forever, he's saying. And he goes on in verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. 
But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. It's why Jesus died on the cross for us. Not so that we could do some great thing, but so that we can understand his great love for us. Verse 13, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And just skipping to verse 17, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. They think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Saviour. And you know what? I would love to read the whole book of Philippians. You might have noticed already. But I just want to summarize a few points that he makes. He says, zeal for the wrong thing is pointless. I had such passion. I had such zeal. I was doing these things. But I count it all as garbage now. I just want to know Christ and His grace, His mercy. I want to tell people about His forgiveness and His love for them. He says, pattern your lives after mine. And that's why over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the life of Paul, the way he lived, what he did, where he went, the things he said, the things he taught. He says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything in the next chapter in verse 6. He says, fix your thoughts on what, uh, what's true, what's honorable, what's right, what's admirable. What greater thing could we fix our thoughts on day by day than the love of God, the grace of God, and His forgiveness of our sins? Day by day, Lord, help me to see you and your love for us. He says in verse 12, how he's learned how to live with little or with much. He's saying you might be going through the hardest times, you might be going through the best of times, but either way, fix your eyes on Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. And then I want to finish with this verse in verse 13. He says, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's just trying to work up some passion and trying to enthuse himself to, to get excited and to get motivated to do something. He's saying, for I can do all things. To, to word it a little bit differently, as I keep my focus on Christ, on His love for us that does strengthen us, we can do all things as we keep our eyes on Him. As we fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. We are not perfect. I am far from perfect. I was struggling this week. I don't know if you've had a struggle this week, but we may be far from perfect. But if we fix our eyes on Him, if we keep our focus on His passionate love for us, He will strengthen us. He will strengthen you. We don't need to try and be more passionate. You don't need to try and find your passion we simply need to focus on Jesus and His passionate love for us.
I would encourage you this morning that whether you've been having a life filled with passion or whether you feel like your life is just so unpassionate right now, to pray that prayer, God, help me to see your love for me. God, help me to know you. God, help me to understand your grace, your forgiveness, your love for me. Because I believe just like Isaiah saw the Lord and found God's forgiveness, just like Paul encountered God on that road to Damascus, when we discover His forgiveness, when we meet the glorious, powerful, gracious, loving God that He is, when we understand why Jesus came and died on the cross for us, it changes everything. Even as Christians, we can sadly slip in our thinking and start to be thinking about all the things we're going to do for God. But we need to continually come back to the cross and say, God, I thank you for you, what you have done for me. That it was finished upon the cross. And I just want to live my life as a, as, as a response to what you've done for me. God wants to take away our burden, the feeling we need to strive to become a more and more passionate person. He wants to take away that burden from you. It's God's passion for us that saves. God simply wants us to acknowledge what He has done for us, to receive and enjoy this gift of salvation and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We all have bad days. We promise we'll have bad struggles and trials in this life. But let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who came, who passionately loves you, who pursues you with his love. And each day as we do that, I believe he will lift you up. He will give you strength. He will give you life and life abundantly as we keep our eyes on him. I'm going to ask the band to come. We're going to finish with the song this morning, Cornerstone. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust in anything else other than what Jesus has done for us. We don't have to find our passion. It's his passionate love, his sacrifice for us that sets us free and gives us life and eternal life. This morning, I just, want to, I just want to pray for each of us here. Well, God, I just pray this morning for every person in this place. God, it's, it's, it's great to be passionate. It's, it's not a bad thing to be passionate about life and, and different things in our lives. But God, I pray that you would help us to let the greatest passion in our life to be following you, about focusing on your love, about your passionate love for us. Lord, I thank you that we don't have to work up uh, a, 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 an energy, a motivation, a passion, a desire. Lord, we don't have to do any great things to please you. But Lord Jesus, you have done it all on the cross and we look to you. We, we look to you and God, I thank you that as we do, that you lift us up, that you give us joy, that you give us peace. And God, I pray today for anyone here who has never understood why Jesus came, why you died, that, Lord, you would bring revelation to our hearts. Lord, again, anyone that's just drifted from that truth, that, Lord, you would bring us back to that truth that you are our Savior, that, God, you so loved us that you came and died on the cross for our sin. 
And that, Lord, any striving that we've been striving to do, any, anything we've been trying to do to please you, God, that's burdened us and weighed us down, we, we release those things, God. Help us to let go of those things. And God, I pray that you would lift us up as we look to you, that we would be filled with the joy of the Lord, joy of the Spirit that you have given to us. Lord God, we just thank you that we have forgiveness of our sins through Jesus and Jesus alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing this song this morning. Let's stand. Let's declare our hope is built on nothing less. Day by day, let's fix our eyes on Him, on Jesus' blood and His righteousness, that He is the sacrifice for our sin. He is the cornerstone. Let's build our lives around Him, not on our passions and our desires. Let's give and surrender our lives to Him this morning. As we sing, we're going to take up the offering this morning too. Let's surrender to Him right now. Thanks, guys.